0: are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say... Hi, it's Michael Smirconish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirconish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club. Is now in session. Hey, Senator Biden.
1: Hey, Michael. How are you? I apologize. I'm five minutes late. I no worries. Call five. After.
0: Hey, it's a privilege to have you on the program. Well, it's nice to be on your program. How many questions do I have to ask about promises to keep before you and I can clear the air?
1: You go ahead. Right to whatever you want. Because come on, about.
0: I mean, Senator Joe is a direct guy. I'm a direct guy. I'm, I'm a fan, and I <laughs> I reach three-quarters of your state, with big numbers.
1: I know you do, man. I can't
0: get you on my show. I gotta, I, I'm gotta. kissing butt everywhere to get you, and I can never get Biden hooked up. I get every major D, the other side of the fence. I treat everybody with dignity and respect. I can never get you.
1: Michael, the only reason for that is that I commute every day, so I'm on a train at 7 o'clock. And uh, the last thing you need is me on a uh, on a
0: cell phone. I know, but that's where we met. I met you on a train. I said, "Hey, oh, I, got I remember this... meeting you." Yeah, but uh, and, and you you said to me, well, "Are you one of those talk show hosts who's you know like a blowhard?" <laughs> I said, "No, I treat you
1: well." Uh, no, no, you're well respected all over the all over the Delaware Valley.
0: Yeah, at least in my own house. Some yeah. days.
1: Well, that's the most important place to be respected, man. That's the one I worked the hardest
0: to get. <laughs> hey, I, I I should begin the interview by by saying to Senator Biden, "Get up, get up." <laughs>
1: Well, that's exactly what I just did. I'm out here in in uh Nevada campaigning and I just got up. But
0: it's a good it's a good mantra for life, and until I read the book, I you know, I, I guess I knew tangentially some of the adversity that you'd overcome, but you've taken your lumps.
1: Well, a lot of people have. I have. Yeah, that's true. I have. But uh, you know, you know, like like I said in the book, uh, you know, my dad's uh, comment was, you know, he used to always say, "Hey, pal, world doesn't know you're living. You know, uh, get up <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and look. Think of like all kidding aside. Think of all the people who don't have the help and the background help, meaning family and the and the and the opportunities that that I had. Who go through the same kinds of things, man yeah every
0: day it, hey uh it, i i did not know my my folks are from hazelton oh you're kidding no i never knew that joe biden was a, a product of scranton pennsylvania, Grant,
1: pennsylvania. That, and I tell you what it never leaves your blood does it
0: there's a there's an anecdote in the book i hope you'll you'll uh you'll share it that has to do with some advice that you're given from your grandpop and oh. the, the scrantons <laughs> will, you, will you will you tell indulge me with that quick story
1: Sure. Well, you know, everybody used to come back to my grandpa's house. I, we lived there for a while because Dad was looking for work after the war. And uh, um, and we'd come back to grandpa's house uh, after a 10.30 mass at St. Paul's, and all the men would sit around the kitchen table. The women would sit around the dining room table. They'd be at a lace tablecloth, drinking tea, and the men would be arguing politics and sports. And one day, one of my dad, one of my grandpa, who was uh, a, a man of, as they might say today, a man of rectitude, there was a story about a, a, a a local county chairman who was always getting in trouble and, and was in the front page of the paper, and they're arguing about him. And I knew my grandpa liked him. And he turned around and looked at me. and My grandpa said, "You're wondering why I like Pat so much, aren't you, Joey?" And I said, "I was about 14 years old." I said, "No, no, 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 Pop." He said, "Well, let me tell you the difference." He said, "You like Mr. Scranton, don't you?" And I said, "Yeah." And then he went on to tell me a story. He said, Packy will tell you he's going to do such and such to you. He, I'm going to cut your heart out, Ambrose." I remember him saying, "And he'll, and you know what he's going to do." He'll I'll help you. And you'll know what he's going to do. And he said, now, Mr. Scranton, he said, I could call him today, go down there. He'll say, come down, Ambrose. I work for the Tribune. Come on down. And he'd go down, and he'd say, "And I'm shortening the story. And he said that uh, he'd uh, he said he'd pat me on the back, and he'd say, what can I do for you, Ambrose? And uh, I'd tell him my problem, and then my grandpa really smacked me on the back. And uh, I thought he was mad at me. And uh, and he said, uh, "He said, well, I'll see what I can do, Ambrose. And he said, it wouldn't be till I got to the second landing outside his front door that I felt that warm trickle of blood down my spine. (laughs) And He said, you know what they said? Joey said, the landed gentry will do to you, never do to you at the country club what they'll do to you on the street. And I looked at him and he said, Joey, they think politics is for the Jews and the Poles and the Irish and the Italians. Not for them. So anything goes, and uh, he said, "So you know, that was my grandfather's notion about you just you, you just keep your promises." You know, you count on people who who, uh, who do what they say and say what they do. It's sort of the foundational principle of uh, not only politics but I think a life that I, uh, you know you keep your promises.
0: Hey, I, I don't want to eat up all my time before I get to a pet peeve of mine. Okay. Okay. i am am a I'm a two time uh, 43 supporter, uh, supported 41, served in his administration. By the way, when I was 29. Years old. You may remember that.
1: I do. I remember your legal crew. But but, go ahead. All right.
0: I'm off the Republican reservation on a very specific issue. It's the outsourcing of the hunt for bin Laden to Musharraf and Pakistan. And I, I just cannot, for the life of me, understand a billion dollars a year, and we let the White House get away with the soundbite that says, well, it's a very nuanced search, and it the hunt continues, and we're going to bring them to justice. Hey, pardon me, Senator, but after six years, tell us what you're doing. We we are owed answers.
1: Well, you are not entitled to answers, and let me tell you what's happened. The reason why the administration... First of all, it is U.S. policy. It has been you <laughs> forever, that in the case of bin Laden in particular, that if we have actionable intelligence, it doesn't matter where he is, what country he's in, if they do not go get him, we will go get him. Forget this stuff about whether or not we're being too tough or we're we're breaching sovereignty of another country. That's malarkey. If another country harbors a terrorist who has done or is doing bad things to us and they don't do anything about it, they forfeit their sovereignty, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of us being able to go after them. That's our policy. Now, you say, well, that's the policy. Why hasn't this administration done something? The problem, Michael, is <laughs> this administration became fixated, and I'm, that's not a broken record here, it's true, fixated on Iraq. And they removed the vast majority of the, not just forces, but the kinds of forces we needed, if we located him, to be able to go into, was your, into that western province, that mountainous province. And they removed most of the special forces and intelligence people from Afghanistan. To Iran, So, number one, we don't have enough people around to get the actionable intelligence. And when that happened, a second thing happened, Michael. It's what you know used to happen during the Cold War. Once Musharraf realized, as the British general said to me when I was in Bagram Air Force Base with him, he said, Senator, when the big dog leaves the pen, as we Brits say, the small dogs leave. Well, when the big dog, the United States, left the pen and Musharraf became aware of the fact that we were putting all... Our Marbles on a Rack... And we cut down our forces, and the warlords in Iraq and among the Pashtun, which is that, that tribal unit that is the largest in Afghanistan and the largest in this, in this ungovernable area, there's a, there's a relationship there, but he started to cut his own deals. He started to cut his deal with the very guys who he was eventually, he was prior to that, helping us try to kill. So now you've got the combination of Mashar of saying, whoa, hey, you guys aren't going to go in and do this. I'm not going to be the guy to to do this because they'll take me down. Maybe I can cut a deal with them, let them have bin Laden, let them have that part of my country, and they'll leave me alone, and I'll be able to continue to be the military dictator here. And one thing led to another. And that's how we got to where we are. So well, it's I'm, not...
0: I'm reading I'm reading in your book, and by the way, Senator Biden's book is titled Promises to Keep, and there's a discussion about a, a trip you make January of 05 when you go to Afghanistan, and I guess you, you pass through Islamabad along the way. And you go into a room, you describe them as the al-Qaeda chasers. And I, yeah. I had a similar experience when uh, Secretary Rumsfeld uh, sent me over to Doha, Cutter to look at the whole CENTCOM thing.
1: Well, you and, saw it then. Well, you, but, uh, but, but, you know what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah, but I'm, I'm not in the Senate, so I don't get to see what you see. But here's what I came home, and I spoke openly about it. I said, it looks like all military activity indeed ends on the Afghan border with Pakistan. And to the extent, all right, but to the extent that Musharraf has cut an accord with these warlords in northern Waziristan, it means... Nobody's looking for him.
1: Bingo. You got it. And we know where he is. We know he's there. So, look, that's why this last year, uh, along with a guy from the the leader of the House Democrat uh, um, on foreign policy, Tom Lantos, we wrote into the law, there's a provision in the law that says that if, in fact, he does not begin to help us get bin Laden, we will take back that billion dollars in aid we're giving him. And the second thing is we also wrote into the law saying that... This is a guy who has an obligation that we, the United States of America, tie these two things together. Now, the administration is reluctant to move on it because they haven't figured it Look, the honest to God truth is, Michael, they don't have a Pakistan policy. They have a Musharraf policy. And a Musharraf policy is not going to carry the sleigh here.
0: I think that's a great way to summarize it. And, and, and you know what frustrates me, Senator? This has not been raised. You've, you're in all these, de- de- and I'm not rapping you for this. I'm rapping no. the questioners. This this is not a subject. I mean, is this too cerebral for the Well, debates? ironically,
1: the only way it's come up as a subject, and you can't answer it in a minute, and all three of them are wrong, as they keep in this getting this thing going between Chris Dodd and uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, and Barack Obama about what Barack Obama has said. The fact is, Chris, Hillary, and Barack are all wrong. <laughs> They're going after each other, but they don't understand what the law is, and very qu- clearly, they don't have a policy that makes a lot of sense. They're criticizing Barack because Barack finally... No, I shouldn't say finally, because Barack figured out that, you know, maybe inside of the fact he's looking like he's not strong enough on some of this stuff, he now makes this big speech and says, we should go get bin Laden, which some of us, you included, have been saying for the last four years. Yeah, and
0: I read the speech. I didn't just take some sound. I read it, right. and frankly, I agreed with the text of what he said. Exactly right.
1: Now, he gets criticized. What do he get criticized for? He gets criticized by by Hillary Clinton for being um, uh, um, uh, pejorative, for yeah, um, undermining um uh, yeah. uh, uh, you know, ben La- I mean, excuse me, under- underline- undercutting Musharraf. Well, give me a break. First of all, Barack should have known what he stated is already our policy. It is our policy, it's just the president has not been implementing it. Well, it's, it's a good in the law. Uh,
0: look, this is not only a good issue for you, it's the right thing. And I, you got how many weeks? Two weeks before the September 11th anniversary? This is the speech you need to deliver. I'll write it for you. You stand up on the Senate floor. Right, you can have the presidency. I'll go back to my talk show world.
1: Well, I tell you what, I could use your help, and uh, and I tell you what, I'm going to send you a copy of a speech that I've we've already written on that very subject, and uh, because you're dead right, and look, here's the other thing, Michael, if we don't, if if. If you said to me, God forbid, God Almighty comes down, sits in the middle of your your, your, your studio there, and says, okay, Michael, you've got to choose. We can win Afghanistan, and we can win Iraq, you know, or vice versa. One of them we're going to lose. We can't lose Afghanistan. You lose Afghanistan, Michael, you're going to see the radicalization of Pakistan. You're going to see Musharraf unwilling to let the vast middle, which is moderate in his country, have any political outlet. You're going to see the further radicalization of the jihadists in that country. He's going to go, and then you run the risk of a more radical military takeover on the edge. These guys have nuclear weapons. These guys have them deployed. They have nuclear weapons that can already hit the Mediterranean. They have nuclear weapons that can destabilize the world, and we're talking about worrying about, as we should, Iran getting 26 kilograms of highly enriched uranium if they can keep 3,000 gas centrifuges moving for one year. These guys already have deployed nuclear weapons on the tips of missiles that can go a hell of a long distance. And so what bothers the heck out of me is the failure to understand that you need a Pakistan policy that not only takes out bin Laden, the Taliban, we still haven't gotten Ola Omar, remember that guy? Sure, yeah. And, And yet at the same time, without destabilizing a country that, in fact, if it goes over the edge, man, you find the subcontinent of India is really in a place. I better. beg
0: you to talk about this. I, I, I love what you've just said about it, and I think it'll really strike a chord, and, and, and no one's tapping in this, uh, this thought process. I, I know I'm limited in my time. Let me say this. We appreciate you being here. I hope you'll come back.
1: I promise you I will, Michael. All right, Thank I appreciate
0: you. it. Senator Joe Biden from Delaware. All
1: right, thanks, Michael. Thank you, sir. All right, bye-bye.
0: Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or any time on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirkanish. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems.